Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Let's get into the word this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a place where when you shouted, you could hear the echo come back at you? Yeah, I mean, we were at a football game on Friday night. Riverside was in the playoffs, and, and uh, the stadium had one of those, those deals where I know that our band director was warning the band, hey, there's, a great, there's an echo in here. Make sure that you, you really listen and pay attention so that we play together and don't get distracted by, by the echo. I think sometimes we like an echo. Sometimes when you know there's an echo, I don't know if you're like me, I can be goofy sometimes and like, you know, try to make all kinds of different sounds and like, ooh. That sounded great. Look at that. <laughs> Do you know, where did Echo, Echo has a, kind of a, a, some different things throughout the years, different meanings or different things that have come up. And I always find that sometimes Greek mythology tries to make sense of certain things. And uh, so in Greek mythology, Echo was a mountain spirit who loved the sound of her own voice. And uh, Zeus, who was the king of the Olympians, he was known for many love affairs, and the beautiful Echo often distracted Zeus's wife, Queen Hera, from his escapades with long, entertaining stories. And when Hera discovered Echo's trickery, she punished the talkative spirit by taking away her voice. Echo could only repeat the voice of another. I just found that interesting. A echo is actually a, a sound reflected. That's really what an echo is. It's a sound that is reflected. Sound waves ricochet off of flat surfaces, hard surfaces, and we're likely to hear an echo when we're out in the mountains or in a, a vacant room. And oftentimes we can be fascinated by the sound of an echo in our own voice. Margaret Feinberg has a book out. She's the author of a book called Sacred Echo, And this is what she contends. She contends that the voice of God also has an echo. That when God wants to get our attention, the Almighty doesn't say something only once. In fact, we may hear a sacred echo. We may find that there's a verse of scripture and then a, a theme or a clear idea that happens to apply to a life circumstance that we find ourselves facing or in. And oftentimes that same theme or a scripture, or maybe you hear a, a, a word, a, a something that comes up on a, uh, maybe a radio station, a Christian radio station you're listening to, or maybe it's the voice of a friend that says, you know, I was reading and I thought of you when I read this verse, and you might find the repetitiveness over and over again, and you begin to hear the echo of God's voice speaking to you. Has anybody ever had that happen before? Yeah, at times it just seems like there's repeated themes that come out. And I firmly believe today that God speaks to each and every one of us. I believe that God wants to speak to his people, that God speaks to us. And I believe that there are some of you that are here today that need to hear the voice of God. Some of you need to hear God's voice. You need to hear the word of God today. You need to learn how to tune in and hear the word of God, God, his voice as he speaks to you. But I believe that some of you might be struggling personally. I think sometimes we all find ourselves struggling in that way. Sometimes we may even struggle to say, God, really? God speaks to us? Are you sure that God speaks to us? 
In fact, Dallas Willard in, in his book that I have on my shelf, Hearing God, I opened it up this week and preparing for this message today. And, and, uh, and, and he, he writes this in the preface of his book, Hearing God, a daring idea, some would say, even presumptuous, even dangerous. But, that we are, but, but he says, but what if, this is the question he poses, but what if we're made for it? What if the human system simply does not function properly without it? These are good reasons, think it, excuse me, there are good reasons to think it will not. The fine texture as well as the grand movements of life show our need to hear God. Isn't it more presumptuous or even dangerous, in fact, to undertake human existence without hearing God? Think about that. And yet oftentimes, how many, how many days do we go without really taking time to pray? How many days do we go without opening up God's word and, and reading his word? How many weeks do we go where we don't even come and are a part of, you know, a, a, a church service where, we're, where maybe we hear someone that's sharing God's word or a message or we, we don't come to a life group, how often do we go days or even weeks at times without truly ever taking time to listen to the voice of God? Whether it be through the scriptures, whether it be through a Bible study, whether it be through his word, whether it be in prayer. I think oftentimes we only seek to listen and desire to hear the voice of God in times of crisis. It's times of crisis that bring us to our knees. It's time of crisis where we go, oh, God, what do you have to say to us in this moment? But when things are going well or everything is going just hunky-dory, we oftentimes can move through life not even seeking to listen to the voice of God, just simply making decisions based on our own wisdom and discernment. The Bible is crammed with examples, though, of God communicating to his people. Dallas Willard goes on to write that God has created us for intimate friendship for himself both now and forever. And it's made clear through the Bible and especially in, in different passages. Passages like I, Exodus 29 and, and Exodus 33 or, or Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. Right? He leads me beside the still waters. Come on. Isaiah 41 or John 15, 14 about abiding in the vine. And that apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing that bears lasting fruit anyway. He says, as with all close relationships, personal relationships, God can be counted on to speak to each of us when and as it is appropriate. I believe that God speaks to us. And I, and I think sometimes we struggle. Is that God speaking or is that me? How do I know? How do I recognize? How can I hear the voice of God. How do I hear the voice of God? And while God doesn't re reach out and, and speak to us all in the exact same way, and he, he doesn't do it all the, the, all the time in the exact same way, sometimes he, he speaks to us in different ways. I think sometimes if it's not in the powerful miracle, sometimes if it's not in the big explosion, if we haven't heard, a, thus saith the Lord. I mean, did you ever wonder, what does the voice of God sound like? You know, does it, does it sound like, what is it, Morgan Freeman, you know, in some of those movies, you know? He just kind of has that voice, and we kind of like, ooh, that's the voice of God. 
What is the voice of God? What does that, what does that sound like? What is that like? I, I think sometimes we, we struggle because maybe we have an expectation of what it's supposed to be when God speaks to us, how it's supposed to sound, how it's supposed to go. And when those things don't happen like we expect, we struggle with those things. I think sometimes God does dramatic miracles to get our attention. Sometimes, though, I believe he continually whispers to us. Sometimes he shouts at us. In fact, C.S. Lewis says he shouts in our pain. God speaks in many different ways. And today I want to dive into a popular passage of scripture in the Old Testament. This is a Sunday school scripture. If you've, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard multiple messages on this. So don't tune me out. But we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up. Or you have our app notes. Maybe you're following along on our app notes. You can download that for free and follow along and even put little notes in there. And fill in the blanks in there as well. But we're going we're gonna to dive into God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's an example of one of the times that God speaks. And he's speaking to a prophet by the name of Elijah. And you say, but I'm not a prophet. Well, you know, uh, don't, don't let that get in the way. In fact, the book of James says that, that Elijah, who we're going to talk about, was a man human just like us. That's what it says. That he was, Elijah was as human as we are. That's, that's, that's what the verse says, James 5, 17. So the human side of Elijah really, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, that's what we see is, is this very human side of Elijah. I love the Bible in that way because the Bible doesn't just put everybody up on a pedestal, but it shows you the very real struggles of, of even people that are considered people of faith. And, and, and so we dive into the book of Elijah, and, and I believe today it provides great encouragement when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Now, before we jump in, let me give you a little context of what's been happening and leading into this passage. For about three and a half years, and even, even prior to that, there was a king in the northern tribes of Israel. Israel and Judah had separated kingdoms. Judah's kingdom was the southern part, and, and they had their own kings going on. And then in the northern section, there was, there was Israel. And Israel's king at that time was a king by the name of Ahab, and he had a wife by the name of Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of Ahab and Jezebel? And, and you've got to know that Ahab and Jezebel were doing, were leading the people of Israel away from God, deeper and deeper into idolatry, into a pagan fertility god by the name of Baal, and, and, or Baal. And, and, and so the, the people of Israel were being led astray to worship Baal instead of Jehovah. Their hearts were being turned. They were doing all kinds of, of sin, storing up all kinds of sin against God. And God raised up the prophet Elijah and said, I want you to go and speak to Ahab and Jezebel. And I want you to tell them that my judgment is coming and there's not going to be rain. There will be a famine in the land. There will not be rain for three and a half years. And there was no rain for three and a half years. It was a dry time. And then at the end of that, Elijah comes and, and he has a showdown in 1 Kings chapter 18. And it's a big showdown with the prophets of Baal. And they gather together on, on a mountain and there they are. And, and Elijah says, we're going to see whose God is God. 
And he tells them, you, you get your sacrifice together. You get it all together. And you call on Baal and you see if Baal answers by fire. And I'll call on Jehovah and the God who answers by fire. That is God. And if you know the story at all, you know that, that the prophets of Baal, they get all their things together. They're like, we can do this. And they start calling. Nothing happens. And then they start dancing and they start gyrating. They start doing, finally they get to the place where they're cutting themselves and harming them, doing anything they can to try to get Baal to answer. But Baal is no God. Baal's not going to answer. And Elijah starts making fun of them. Perhaps Baal's asleep. Perhaps Baal's on a bathroom break. Seriously, the Bible's really funny like that. And then finally he says, you know what? You all are crazy. Stop. It's my turn. And he says, you know what? Just to make sure, let's go. And, and I want you to get, now water was a premium, but I want you to go and I want you to douse this with water. And they started dousing the sacrifice with water, right? And he prays and he calls on the name of his God and Jehovah God answers by fire. And he says, they're false prophets kill the false prophets of Baal. And they put 450 prophets to Baal to death. And then he begins to pray and he says, God, now it's time for your reign to come. We've dealt with the prophets of Baal. Bring your reign. And he prays and he sends his servant out. And finally, after several times, the servant comes back and say, I see the, the cloud, the size of a man's hand. And he says, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. Gird up. It's going to rain. And he pulls up his cloak and he gets to running and he says to Ahab get in your chariot because rain is coming and so Ahab gets in his chariot and is on his way back to the capital city at that time of Israel Jezreel where, where his, his wife Jezebel is at and Elijah is so stoked about what's happened he is just lit up he takes off running and he outruns the chariot of Ahab and he arrives in Jezreel and he is just like, this is it. God has showed up. Now there's rain. Now there, we saw him answer by fire. Come on. This is the time where Israel is going to see that God is God. And they're going to turn back because of the power. And he thinks one of two things is going to happen when I get there. I'm going to confront Jezebel. And one of two things is going to happen. Either... Jezebel's going to repent and Ahab, and they're going to turn Israel back to God. Or the people are going to recognize that they have been leading them away, and they're going to stone Jezebel. They're going to kill Ahab. They'll get a new king in here. One of those things is going to happen. So let's see what happened. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. This message to Elijah. We have sinned against God and we are turning back to him. He has proven he's Jehovah. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says, is it? May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And Elijah responds with, oh yeah, just wait and see. The God who answers by fire is going to consume you, Jezebel. You said, pastor, that's not what it says. No, Elijah was afraid. And he fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. And then he 
went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. You ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt like, I'm done, Lord. I'm done. I mean, Elijah had given his all. He, for three and a half years, he was, he was in that famine, but he saw God provide for him. And then he saw the showdown and he saw the miracles and he saw the power and, and he prayed and there was rain. And he thought for sure, this is it. All of these things. How can this nation deny the existence and the power of the living God? The God who had made a covenant with their ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who had delivered them mighty out of Israel, out of Egypt and slavery in Egypt and done all kinds of powerful works. The God who gave them the land in which we are in. That conquered through Joshua with walls that fell down. And powerful armies that were consumed because of the power of God. How can they deny God after the power that they've seen? And yet, nothing. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. They didn't rise up against Ahab. They didn't rise up against Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel didn't repent. Nothing changed. And Elijah feels like a failure. What is there left to do? What did these people need to hear? Their hearts are so hard. How can we even work? I don't think there is nothing else to do. If they didn't respond to this, then what hope is there? You ever felt like that? I think sometimes we just think, God, if there's some powerful miracle that happens in America, people's hearts will finally turn back to you. If you answer by fire, if you do a great miracle, if you show up, then God's going to, then, then people will turn and this nation will turn back to you. Oh, I pray it is so. But history tells me that the hardened hearts of people, that's probably not a, a great expectation. Oh, I know, in years and years and years, we've had the great revivals and things like that. I, I, and I, I, oh, I'm not one to lack faith. But friends, I can tell you that, that there was a, a parable. I'm off my notes. There's a parable in the New Testament. This is what happens. I get in trouble. There's a parable in the New Testament about a rich man and Lazarus. Anybody remember that? Not the Lazarus that rose from the dead. Another guy by the name of Lazarus, popular name. Um, you know, and, and, and Lazarus, poor guy. And he wasn't even given anything, and, or, or excuse me, uh, and then there's this rich man, and the rich man didn't give anything to Lazarus, and they both died. And there was this chasm between them, and the rich man finally sees, and he says, send Lazarus back to warn my, to, to warn my, my, my ancestors, to warn my people, to warn my family, to let my family know that this is real, this chasm, and, and they got to get right. And he says, they've had the prophets. What makes you, they're not going to listen to Lazarus, they already had the prophets, but, but I, I digress. Even though God moved powerfully, Elijah 
had different expectations and when his expectations weren't met and when things didn't turn around and when that didn't happen, he finds himself in a place of despair. And there are times where you and I have expectations of things that God is supposed to do and how God is supposed to work and what's supposed to happen. And when that doesn't happen, we find ourselves like Elijah, a man who was just like us, discouraged and saying, I, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. I'm done. I've had enough of this job. I prayed and I saw you. I've had enough of my marriage. I can't do it anymore. These children, they're just so rebellious. I've had enough. I don't even know what to do with them. I've had enough. And Elijah's in a place where he needs to hear from God. But he's tired and he's discouraged and, and, and he's just struggling. And so what does he do? What does he do with these unmet expectations of this hopelessness? Where does he go? Scripture tells us he goes south. So he leaves Israel and he goes on a journey and he goes south and he heads down to the, to the south area. In fact, it's a journey that, that, that where he, he, he kind of stops along the way and, uh, and, 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 and kind of drops off a servant. And he goes to a mountain. And, and the mountain is, is, in some translations, says Mount Horeb. But Mount Horeb is really Mount Sinai. Does anybody remember what happened at Mount Sinai? At Mount Sinai is called the Mountain of God. And at Mount Sinai, that's where when the Israelites came out of Egypt, that God brought them to that mountain. That's where he spoke to them. That's where he gave them the Ten Commandments. That's where he gave them the blueprint for the tabernacle and all kinds of things. And where he had met and spoke with Moses. And, and this is what it says in Exodus when the people got to that place. It says this. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain and there was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn and all the people trembled and Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain and all Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire and the smoke billowed in the sky like smoke from a, a black kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. This is where, this is where, where, where Elijah is headed. I'm tired. I don't think there's any hope. I'm done with the north. I'm done with Ahab and Jezebel. They're threatening to kill me, so I'm getting out of the country. But where I'm heading, I'm heading to the mountain of God because I need to hear from God. And look how God showed up on that day. How did God show up? He showed up with lightning and he showed up with fire and he showed up that day where there was smoke that was billowing and his voice thundered and the mountain shook violently. That's how God showed up and, Mo and, and Elijah's on his way to that mountain, I believe, because he needs to hear from God. And it says this in verse 19, or excuse me, verse 9, 1 Kings 19. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here? Elijah? And Elijah replied, I served, I've zealously served the Lord Almighty. 
But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. God says, go stand out on the mountain. Go stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told, that's what the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. We're like tornadic winds, tornado winds. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak. And he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. God speaks in a variety of ways, doesn't he? God shows up in a variety of ways. Sometimes he speaks through dreams. Sometimes through an open door. Sometimes he speaks through another person. We know that he speaks through the reading of his word and scripture. Sometimes, as I said that C.S. Lewis says, sometimes he shouts to us in our pain. And Elijah's discouraged and he's tired and he's feeling hopeless and he needs to hear from God. And so he goes to the place where God has spoken before. And I believe, at least what I read in commentaries, is, is he's kind of trying to mimic a little bit of what Moses had done as Moses spoke with God as, as God spoke to a friend. He goes up on the mountain. When we say it's, it says a cave, but this is what happened in Exodus 33 with Moses. The Lord continued and he said, look, stand here near this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I'll hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So, so Moses experiences the presence of the Lord and he's hidden in the cleft of the rock, hidden kind of in the cave of the rock, hidden in the cleft of the rock as the Lord passes by. Elijah's discouraged and Elijah needs to hear from God. And so he goes to the mountain of God and just like Moses, he kind of is standing there and, and, and finding this place where he can kind of be hidden in the, in, the, in the cave and in the rock, praying for the Lord to pass by. And he's despondent and he's down. And he says, Lord, I need to hear from you. I almost feel like he's trying to recreate something. And so what do we see? God comes, right? And a violent wind. Rocks are torn. But the Lord's not in the wind. And God shows up in fire, right? Billows, he's showing up in fire before. In fact, in chapter 18, he showed up in fire and consumed the sacrifice. Surely that is God. But it wasn't. And then there was an earthquake. Remember, on the Mount Sinai, what happened? The mountain shook violently. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. No, the Lord was in the whisper. After the earthquake, there was a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound. Of a gentle whisper. You know other translations. They, this is a very difficult Hebrew word. This is, this is how different translations. Kind of try to interpret this word. This, this wording. The revised standard version calls it. The sound of sheer silence. The new Jerusalem version says. The sound of a gentle breeze. <laughs> the new English Bible says. A low murmuring sound. The King James as we often know it. Is the still small voice and the new living translation niv the gentle whisper you know there's there's different frequencies of sound 
Do you know that not all sound is audible to the human ear? That when we speak, the human voice speaks at a frequency between about 85 hertz to 2,500 hertz. And the human ear can, can hear frequencies as low as 20 hertz and all the way up to about 20,000 hertz. But there are frequencies and there are things that we are not able to hear audible to the human ear. In fact, uh, these kind of ranges that are below 20 hertz are called infrasonic sound waves, infrasonic sound waves. These are the kind of sound waves that even though you can't hear them audibly, they can cause you headaches. These are the kind of sounds that when people are measuring to see about volcanic activity, they often try to measure the frequencies that can't be heard by the human ear because they're too low below 20 hertz or trying to see if there's going to be an earthquake somewhere, infrasonic waves. Frequencies above 20,000 hertz are called ultrasound Ultrasound, they're the kind of frequencies that when you need to know how your unborn baby looks in your womb, you can begin to see because of ultrasound. They allow you to be able to see things going on inside your body, your heart or other areas to look beyond what you can. And they use these, these ultrasound type waves. They're powerful enough oftentimes even to topple buildings. And I share this because sometimes we put God in a box and we limit how God can speak to us. We put God in a box and we say, God, you have to speak to us this way. You have to do it this way. We need you to speak this way. And oftentimes we want these powerful demonstrations and these miracles and these clear and present signs all over the place. And when we're down and discouraged and, and we're just struggling, we want something spectacular to let us know that God is here. But friends... I believe that oftentimes, most times, God speaks to us on a different frequency. It's the frequency of the gentle whisper, of the still small voice, where his still small voice and gentle whisper whisper to the spirit inside of us, his spirit speaking to our spirit in the gentle whisper. I want to quickly give you five reasons why God speaks through us, and I do mean quickly. Number one, God's whisper is powerful. God's whisper is powerful. Oftentimes we don't think of a whisper being powerful. In fact, the whisper is kind of defined like this though in the, in the dictionary. Whisper is a verb. It's designed to speak very softly using one's breath without one's vocal cords, especially for the sake of privacy. One's breath. We don't think of a, uh, of a whisper as being powerful, but the, the absence, don't mistake the absence of volume for the absence of power, because the whisper of God is powerful. Let's go back to creation, Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and the Lord breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man become a living being, became a living being. Did you catch it? Did you see what happened? Do you know what God's whisper can do? God's whisper can bring dead things to life. God's whisper brings dead things to life. Something powerful happens when God whispers. When God whispers. And some of you are feeling dead inside. And it's time to tune in. Tune in to the whisper of God. And let him bring life to your soul. God whispers to get our attention. You know what happens when somebody whispers? When somebody's whispering, you know what you have to do? You have to lean in real close. 
One of the, one of the teaching techniques when, when there's a crowd and you can't get their attention, oh, you can go, attention, everybody quiet down, attention. How many know that rarely works? But you know what I found? If I just get up there and I stand, then somebody will notice and somebody will whisper to somebody else, hey, be quiet, hey, hey, shh, 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 Right? A whisper can get your attention. A whisper can get your attention. God wants you to lean in. If we go back to the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, we look at verses 9 and 10. He, he says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's stuck in his own head. We get stuck in our own head. We can't hear what God is trying to say because we're stuck in our own head. And Elijah says this. He says, I'm zealous. I've served you, Lord Almighty. The people of Israel, they're the problem. They've broken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of the prophets. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. Oh, don't you care? Don't you know what I've been through? Don't you know that I'm the only one? Don't you know all these people are the problem, and they're not changing, and nothing's happening? God, what are you going to do about it? Elijah's stuck in his own perspective. He's stuck in his own voice. He has the, his, his, his radar, his antenna is tuned to the voice of despair. And there are some of you, you can't hear the voice of God because you're too tuned into the voice of despair. You're stuck in your own head. You're stuck in hopelessness. You're stuck in nothing's ever going to change. You're, you, you're, you're stuck in, in, in these kinds of things and you're distraught and God's trying to get your attention. And so Elijah goes and he goes, well, this was the mountain of God and, and God answers by fire, but there was fire and God was not in it. And there was an earthquake and God was not in it. And there was a wind, but God was not in it. And God has to get his attention with a whisper, with a whisper. Some of you, God's trying to get your attention, but it's not going to come in the wild and the crazy. It's going to come when you still your heart and you begin to give God your attention and allow him whisper to you. Because after the whisper, look what happened. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, uh, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu, excuse me, will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others, there's others in Israel, who've never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. You know what happened because of the whisper? God has Elijah's attention and God says, hey, Elijah, get out of your own head because you're not alone. And guess what? You may think it's hopeless, but I have a plan. I've had a plan all along. So go back and walk in it. Go back and walk in it. And you know who's a part of my plan? Some people you wouldn't expect to be a part of my plan. A, 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 a leader in Aram, not even Israel, by the name of Haziel. He's, he's, he's really not even an Israelite, and he's certainly not a prophet, but you know what? I've got a plan, and he's a part of it. And you know what? When he doesn't do the job, I got another guy by the name of Jehu. And if you read through about Jehu, you know he ain't a stand-up guy either. But you know what? I'm going to use him. 
And by the way, I got another prophet that I have lined up who's not bowed the knee either. And his name is Elisha. And I want you to begin to train him up because he's going to come after you. And those that don't respond to Haziel and Jehu, he's going to finish the job. Because I've got a plan. And I also, by the way, you're not alone because I got 7,000 others that you forget about that have not bowed the knee. So you know what? Get out of your head because I'm still God. Jezebel may think that she's on the throne and Ahab may think that he's got the power, but guess what? I win. Thirdly, few forms of communication are more intimate and personal than a whisper. When a whisper. Whispers are personal. They're personal. Somebody whispers in your ear, it's personal. Hey, I want to tell you something. Hey, I've got a secret to tell you. If you're in love, you whisper sweet nothings. Nice and hallmarky, right? And this time of year, countdown to Christmas, right? Personal. When somebody shares a whisper, they share something personal. Fourthly, I got to keep moving. Worship team, will you come and help me out? God's whisper is heard with the heart. God's whisper is heard with the heart. The Hebrew for whisper, the still small voice, is translated tiny silent sounds. Tiny silent sound sounds like a contradiction, but we know there's frequencies that are still, that, that, that oftentimes are, are still audible, even if we can't hear them, which means we've got to tune our heart to the frequency of God's voice. Friends, that's what it is. The whisper is to tune our hearts to God's voice and you tune your heart by allowing yourself to be in his word and in scripture so that you recognize what is true and what is false. And you allow yourself to tune in the voice of God and listen to the echoes when the scripture comes and then somebody else shares the word of encouragement or you hear a song and it says the same message you can say God is whispering to me God is trying to get my attention God is personally speaking to me and tune in your heart fifthly you miss God's whisper if you're constantly surrounded by noise there is so much noise there is so much noise I don't even have my cell phone up here because half the time it goes off with something. Even while I'm up here preaching, I've turned notifications off on the iPad because uh, things pop up. Some of you don't know how to put that thing away. Put that thing down. You got to have noise all the time. You got to have something on all the time. Somebody squawking in your ear. How, how can you hear the voice of God when you're too busy listening to the voices of everybody else? When you're listening to the voices of every, every, every newscast on the internet, every, every, everybody else's opinion, I turn it on. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. It's horrible. Oh, no. Oh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Pastor, you just have your head in the sand. No, I just have my head in the word. Whose voice are you listening to? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of messages being preached today. And there's a whole lot of people that are talking. There's a whole lot of messages. And some of you can't hear the voice of God because you never are silent enough to let God speak to you. 
We're too distracted. Be still and know that I am God. John Doan, the English poet, once wrote, I neglect God and his angels for the noise of a fly. (laughs) Distracted. Distracted. Elijah was tired, overwhelmed, and in despair. He was struggling because he felt like nothing was changing and like he was a failure and nothing, nothing he did mattered. And he went looking in a, in, a, in a familiar place to hear from God. And instead of the familiar, what he heard was the gentle whisper. God wants to whisper to some of you today. God wants to speak to some of you today. God wants you to tune in and hear his voice. Let's bow our heads today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, we just thank you for your word. I pray right now that you would whisper to somebody's heart today. Somebody who's discouraged right now, Spirit of God, whisper. Whisper to them today your hope. Somebody who's struggling today, whisper your life. Somebody who's needing direction today, just begin to whisper. Whisper and let them know your plan. Whisper to them today. Somebody that needs to know your love today, whisper, I love you. I gave my life for you. I love you. I forgive you. Somebody struggling with guilt right now, hear hear the voice of the Lord. I forgive you. I forgive you. Somebody who's afraid today, I'm walking with you. Somebody who's alone, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Hear the whisper today. Somebody, you're being prompted right now to respond. You've not allowed Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And you hear the whisper of the Spirit. Will you give your life to me? Surrender your life to me. Let me be your Savior and Lord. If that's you, maybe you're one online, I don't know. And the Lord is whispering, I want, I want to forgive your sin and I want to be in fellowship with you. You are my child. And you say, I need to respond. Will you just pray the simple prayer? Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, cleanse me today and come into my life and make me new. I need you to save me. And I want you to be my Lord. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.